بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على أشرف الأنبياء مرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد الحمد لله we've reached the second hadith from this مذكرة الحديث النبوي by شيخ شيخنا شيخ ربيع حفظه الله تعالى and this hadith is a hadith of Ubar ibn Samit Radhiallahu anhu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ma shahida an la ilaha illallah wahduhu la sharika lah Wa anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh Wa anna isa abdullah wa rasooluh Wa kalimatuhu alqaha ila maryam Wa ruhun min Wa aljannat alhaq wa nara alhaq أدخله الله الجنة أدخله الله الجنة على ما كان من العمل. and so the narration mentions, وحوشم بباري مسامي mentions, and the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that whoever bears witness there is no deity worthy worship of truth besides Allah without any partners and that Muhammad is his servant and messenger and that Isa He's a slave of Allah and his messenger. And he was a word that was given to Maryam. And he's a ruh. And he's a soul amongst the souls. And that Jannah is true. And that the hellfire is true. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enter him into Jannah. Irrespective of that which he has by way of his actions. This narration, barakallahu fikum. It's found in Bukhari, Muslim, and the Muslim Imam Ahmed. That's the Takhrij of the Hadith. The Rai of the Hadith, the narrator of the Hadith, is Ubad ibn Samit al-Ansari. So he's from the, amongst the Ansar. And so, he is from those that witnessed the two bayah, the bayah to Uqba, the first and the second, with the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, as well as many of the ghazawat, with the battles. And Ubar ibn Samit, anhu, kana mu'alliman lil-Qur'an fil-Madina, kana mu'alliman lil-Qur'an fil-Madina. So he was someone that taught Qur'an within Madina. And thereafter in Sham. I see he taught Quran in the land of Sham. And he died in the year 32 after the Hijrah in the Beit al Maqdis. So he died in the land of Sham. As for the words in the hadith, and what is this referred to, as we mentioned last, last uh, week, I had a particular wording of hadith. Gharib al-Hadith. Naam. Gharib al-Hadith. And do you remember a particular book? Gharib al-Hadith. A famous one. Ibn Asakir. Ibn Asakir. Ibn Athir. Ibn Athir. Naam. Ibn Athir. Ibn Athir. And it's a book. Yeah, and referring to Gharib al-Hadith, particular word is that I found in the narrations. 
So that's for the, the kalimats, the words of this narration. The first of them is the explanation of the shahada and la ilaha illallah. And so what is meant by the shahada of la ilaha illallah, Shaykh Rubia mentions, the kalam bihabil lisani. So he mentions the shahada upon his tongue. And so, the shahada of la ilaha illallah, the person states it upon the tongue. And then they believe within their hearts that which is responsible from the, or that which leads from the, the shahada. And what is required from their actions, and they act with those actions upon their limbs. And so the shahada, essentially, here where Shaykh Rabbi is referring to the shahada of la ilaha illallah, that he's defining it with the definition of iman. Making it comprehensive of the speech with the statement upon the tongue, the shahada of la ilaha illallah, means that the person's statement upon the tongue is a requirement. The shahada of la ilaha illallah requires that they believe it within their heart as well. And there are particular requirements by way of the actions that the person must perform. And so all of these things are comprehensive when we're discussing the shahada of la ilaha illallah. And likewise, it's all comprehensive when discussing iman. Because iman is in need of belief within the heart, statement upon the tongue, and action upon the limbs. And so the shahada of la ilaha illallah, it cannot now be said that, for example, that the person can suffice with believing it within the heart. Now, the person can suffice to believe it in the heart without stating it upon the tongue. Naam. For indeed, this is the example of some of the mushrikeen of Quraysh. As Shaykh Fawzan, Hafidullah, he mentioned. Some of the mushrikeen of Quraysh, they would believe in the shahada of La ilaha illallah. They would believe that there is no deity worthy of worship and truth besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Naam. However, they would not state it upon the tongue. Fearing i.e. the affair of their status amongst the people. Or what can come as a, as a recompense if they were to state it upon the tongue. So they leave it off, they left it off. And so this is not sufficient for them to enter into Islam. Why? Because they, the fact that they have the belief in their heart, it requires action by way of the statement upon the tongue. In terms of the shahada. And the opposite is true as well. It cannot be said now that the person can suffice with stating upon the tongue without believing in the heart. For indeed, this is the example of the munafiqeen. The example of the munafiqeen that would state their belief in Islam upon their tongue or that which they hold within their heart is kufr. And so this is what is mentioned by يعني, the shahada of la ilaha illallah. Thereafter, mentions wahdahu أي واحدا فرضا وحده يعني alone that is singled out alone Allah Ta'ala is singled out alone in the ibadah without any partners and Isa is referring to no doubt the prophet and messenger Isa ibn Maryam the word here kalima Isa being referred to as the kalima is due to the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala خَلَقَهُ بِكَوْرِكُنْ 
that Allah Sa'ala created upon a kalim, upon a word. And that word being kun, be. And he came to existence. Because wa hikmati. By the ability of Allah Sa'ala, as well as his wisdom. And so he's referred to as a kalima, sumiya bi kalimatin, or sumiya kalimatan, li wujudihi bi kawlihi ta'ala kun. And so he's referred to as a kalima due to the fact that Allah Ta'ala brought into existence by way of that one word, kalima, kun, bi. Wa ruh min, ay isa ruh min arwah, alati khalakaha Allah, wa awjadaha. Isa, he is a soul from amongst the souls which Allah SWT has created and brought into existence. Thereafter, Jannatul Haq wa Narul Haq. The Jannah is true and the Nar, the Hellfire, is true. Yani, Annahuma, Thabitatan. حَقِيقَةٌ لَا شَكْ فِيهِمَا And that the Jannah is true, the Nahr is true, that both of them are affirmed and thabita in reality. And there's no doubt in relation to the two of them. As for the general meaning of this hadith, and the Shaykh Rabi'ah, he mentions, Allah, يتضمن هذا الحديث خمس العمور من عامل بها وعمل بما تدل عليه في ظاهر والباطن دخل الجنة. So this hadith is made up of five affairs. Whoever believes in them and acts upon these affairs that are mentioned in this narration, as this narration directs us towards, whether it be ظاهر that which is apparent and that which is within the person will enter Jannah the first of them قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم من شهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له so the first of them is the statement of the message of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم whoever bears witness that there is no deity worthy of worship in truth besides Allah Alone without any partners. And so what is meant by this Za'awana Billah and Sidq wa Yaqeen Mu'tarifan bil wahdaniyati lillahi ta'ala And so whoever believes in Allah and he true, truthfully believes in Allah with certainty and that they acknowledge the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that day, singing out Allah Ta'ala alone, in ibadah, over and above other than Him. وَعَمِلْ بِمَا تَدُلَّ عَلَيْهِ الشَّهَادَةِ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِنَّ اللَّهِ مَنِ اتِبَاعِ وَعَمِرِ اللَّهِ وَاشْتِنَابِ نُوَاهِي قَوْلًا وَعَمَلًا And likewise, a person acts upon what the shahada of La ilaha illallah is directing us towards. By way of following the commands of Allah. And staying away from his prohibitions. Whether that be in speech or action. And so this is what we understand from this. 
that the shahada of la ilaha illallah, no doubt is stated upon the tongue, and no doubt the person, the person uh, believes it in the heart. But along with that as well, what is required is that the person acts upon it. He adheres to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala commands in an affair, he adheres to it. Because all of this is comprehensive when it comes to the shahada of la ilaha illallah. And likewise the opposite. The prohibitions. He stays away from the prohibitions. Because this again is comprehensive of that particular shahada. Thaniwaha shahadata anna Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The second is the shahada that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يعني من اتخذ اعتقادا جازما لا يكبر الشك بأن محمدا رسول الله أرسل الله إلى ثقلين الجن والإنس برسالة الشاملة كاملة وأنه خاتم النبيين ورسالته خاتمة الرسالات وعامل بأنه عبد من عباد شرفه الله بحمد الرسالة إلى العالم فصدقه فيما أخبر به وأطاعه فيما أمر به وابتعد عما نهى عنه وزجر. and so with this statement بارك الله فيكم the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah that a person has the belief the absolute belief نعم and creed to the extent that there is no doubt accepted within it that Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is the messenger of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him to the thakalain. Now to the two yani, forms of creation, the jinn and the So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent to the jinn and sent to the ints. Sent to jinn and to mankind. With a risala, with a message, which is comprehensive and complete, yani upon perfection. And that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the seal of all the prophets. And that his message is the seal of all of the messages. That the person believes that he, sallallahu alayhi wa is a servant from amongst the servants of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah ta'ala has honored him by way of bestowing the message upon him. And so, what is required from the person in relation to the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah is that they believe what he's informed us of, sallallahu alayhi wa So everything he's informed us of, they believe in it. They obey him and what he's commanded. And they avoid and stay away from that which has been prohibited. So these are all the requirements as mentioned in relation to the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. The third, the first thing mentioned within the hadith, so the first thing mentioned is the shahada of la ilaha illallah. Second, the part, second part of the shahada is Muhammad Rasulullah. The third, al bi anna Isa. عبد من عباد الله والرسول من رسله. The third is the belief that Isa 
alayhi salatu is a servant from the servants of Allah and a messenger from amongst the messengers. And so, it cannot be said that he is, for example, Ibn Safah, as mentioned by the Yahud, and claimed by the Yahud. Or that he is Allah, or the Son of Allah, or Thalith of Thalath, or the third of three, as the Nasara claim, the Judeo Christians claim. Bel, who are Abdul Min Ibadillah, Arsalahullah, Ila Bani Israel. Rather, he is a servant from the servants of Allah. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent to Bani Israel. And that he calls them to the worship of Allah alone. He calls them to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So we understand from this, what we understand from this, Barakallahu Fikum, is that the belief of the Muslim in relation to Isa alayhi salam, Generally, the belief of the Muslim anywhere, the belief of Ahlul Sunnah, is one of tidal, yani one of moderation, or tawassat, one upon the middle, middle path. And this is no different when it comes to the itikad in relation to Isa alayhi salam. The creed that we have in relation to Isa alayhi salam is between the two extremes. You have the extremes, you have the extremes of the Yehud, who say that he was just a man amongst the men of mankind, he was not in the Masih, and he was not a prophet. Naam, rather someone who goes to the extremes, or speaking ill of him. And uh, ascribing or accusing him of heresy and the likes of that. You have one extreme. Then you have the other extreme of the Nasara, the extreme of the Christian, where they will state that not only does he have honor, but he is Allah himself. He is Allah, or he is the son of Allah. However, the etiqad of the Muslim, the creed of the Muslim is, is one of balance between the two. So we affirm he has honor. He has honor as a prophet and a messenger. We affirm that he is not Allah and he does not have any divinity as has been ascribed to him. And we affirm he is the Masih. However, we do not diminish his status, nor do we raise his status to one which includes shirk, of course. So this is the correct creed which is outlined here by uh, Sheikh Rabir. He goes on to mention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Isa upon the kalima, upon the word, kun. And this particular kalima, naam, is indicative that Allah ta'ala created him as a soul amongst the souls. As Allah Ta'ala mentions, إِنَّ مَفْرِ عِيسَى عِنْدَ اللَّهِ كَمَفْرِ عَادَمْ 
خلقه من تراب ثم قال له كن فيكون. And he mentions سبحانه وتعالى indeed the example of Isa with Allah is like the example of Adam. He created him from تراب from the earth. And he said be and it was it came into existence. It came into existence. And so thus this here is the explanation of the creation by how Allah Ta'ala created Isa alayhi salam and likewise how he created Adam alayhi salam. This ayah in of itself, Barakallahu Fikum, is a refutation of the Christians who say that Isa, when you ask them, Isa, why is he the son of Allah? Why do you say he's the son of Allah? And they will say that he's the son of Allah due to the fact that he was created without a father. And so just due to that, Allah is his father. However, this ayah informs us that this is the same affair of Adam. Same affair of Adam, alayhi salam. Bel, Adam was created without a mother or a father. And Adam, rather, was created upon a kalima, kun, yunifayukun. And so, the one that would claim that Isa is the son of Allah due to this, then you say that Adam would have more right to be referred to the son of Allah. If this was your reasoning. If your reasoning is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Isa without a father, then... Adam was created by a father or a mother. But this is not why, and this is not a reason for us to ascribe any one individual from the creation to Allah. All this indicates, what this indicates, barakallahu fikum, is the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the fact that he's able to create by any means that he wills, barakallahu ta'ala. He's able to create an individual by way of Yani, what is generally understood by way of the father and the mother. Allah Ta'ala creates an individual by way of the mother alone, for example, Isa. Allah creates an individual by way of, yani, just the, the kalima, an example of Adam. And so, the fact that Allah Ta'ala creates individuals in, different, in a different manner does not allow for a person to now to ascribe that nestle in that lineage to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Now, there we have the fourth affair mentioned in this narration. Rabi'uha. And the Jannah al-Haq. That Jannah is the truth. Yani meaning that, وَاَتَّقَدْ أَنَّ الْجَنَّةَ الَّتِي أَعَدَّهَ اللَّهِ لِطَائِعِينَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ ثَابِتَ مَوْجُودَ وَحَقِيقَ لا ريب فيها وأنها مكر أخير الخالد للمؤمنين وخال المؤمنين به والمتبعين للرسل. And so this fourth is that the person believes that Jannah, which Allah سبحانه وتعالى has prepared for the believers. Naam, the, the Jannah that Allah Ta'ala has prepared 
for the obedience from amongst his servants. It's thabita, it's real, it's true, it's affirmed, it's, and it's in existence. And there's no doubt in relation to it. And it's the final abode for the believers and those that follow their respective messengers. And we have the fifth. The fifth and final thing mentioned in this narration. Then the nar is true. And so the person must have the belief that the nar, the hellfire, is true. And it's a threat of Allah for those that are kafirin or the munafiqeen. Like those who disbelieve and those who are hypocrites. And in reality, it's a, it's a true reality and there's no doubt regarding it as well. And it's been prepared for those who disbelieve, who turn away and reject the haqq and are disobedient. So these five affairs, we can remember the five. So shahid la ilaha illallah, shahid of la ilaha illallah, one. Muhammad Rasulullah, two. Isa. Naam, Isa abduhu wa rasuluhu, kalimatuhu, naam. Ruhamin, that's the oof, that's oof, the third. And then the fourth, Jannatul Haqq. The fifth, Narhaq. So these are the five things that we this narration, barakallahu feed. And so, Shaykh mentions in summary that these five affairs, whoever believes in them, has true faith in relation to them, and acts upon what is required from him, Allah Ta'ala will enter into Jannah. Even if the person has fallen short by way of dhunub, fallen short by way of sins. And this is due to the fact that he has with him tawheed, and he adheres to tawheed. Of Allah Ta'ala. Thereafter, the final part, Shaykh Rabbi mentions what do we benefit from this hadith? May Ustafad bin al hadith. We Ustafad minhu, Futir to Tawheed Allah, wa anna Allah yukafiru bihir dhunub. So what is benefited from it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the Tawheed of Allah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by way of this, he expiates the sins. The second benefit is the vast nature of the virtue of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy upon his servants. The third that is understood, the statement of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abduhu wa Rasulu. And this is that we have the correct creed in relation to the beast Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's in reality. And our belief in relation to the Nabi alayhi salatu salam is not one of ifrat, it's not one which is yani, excessive and not one of tafrid and not an existence or a belief that is 
yeah, he lacks or belief that is negligent in relation to him, Sallallahu Alaihi The next benefit is that those that are the Usar, those that are the disobedient from amongst the Muwahideen, from amongst those people of Tawheed, they will not be found within the hellfire for eternity. They will not be in the hellfire for eternity. And the fifth, the fifth benefit is the obligation of having Iman in Jannah and the Nar. The obligation of the Iman in relation to Jannah and the Nar. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Inshallah, we'll uh, go on to the next hadith. Sometime, inshallah. It's, short, it's a shorter explanation. This is the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal. He mentions, Kuntu radifur nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-himar. Faqala li, Atadri ma haqqa Allah ala al-ibad, ma haqqa al-ibad ala Allah. Kuntu Allah wa rasooluhu a'lam. Qal haqqa Allah ala al-ibad, an ya'buduhu wa la yushriku bihi shay'a. وَحَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ أَلَّا يُعَذِّبُ مَا لَا يُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْئًا قُلْتِ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَفَلَا أَبَشْرِ النَّاسِ قَالْ لَا تَبَشِّرْهُمْ فَيَتَّقِلُونَ And so, this is the hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal where he mentioned that I was riding on a donkey behind Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam and then he mentions, he said to me do you know what the right of Allah is upon his servants? What the right of the servants have with Allah? I said Allah and his messenger know best. He said the right of Allah upon his servants is that they worship him and they don't associate anything in partnership with him. And the right of the servant with Allah is that he does not punish the one that does not associate anything in partnership with him. Then he is shirk. So I said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, should I not give glad tidings to the people? So he stated, وسلم, do not give them glad tidings, lest they become reliant upon it. I let them become reliant upon this statement. As for the Sakhrij of this hadith, this hadith is found in Sahih Bukhari. Sahih Muslim, Sunan al-Tirmidhi, Sunan ibn Majah, and the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. The Rabi al-Hadith is Mu'adh ibn Jabal ibn Aws al-Ansari, al-Khazraji. And his kunya, Mu'adh ibn Jabal ibn Aws al-Ansari, his kunya is Abu Abdurrahman. And he's from amongst the most well-known of the companions. And he was, from the companions that witnessed Badr, yani the Battle of Badr, and all the events that occurred after it. All the events that occurred after it. And he possessed a large amount of knowledge when it came to Ahkam and Quran. And he died in the year 18, 
in Sham. He died in the eighteen after the eighteen year after the Hijra in Sham. That's all the general wording of this hadith. Then you have the word Radif, Yani Rakib and Khalf. Radif is someone that is board on board the, the rider beast behind. Then it has the mentioning of Hakullah al Ibad, the right of Allah upon his servants. And this is what is relation in relation to what is the what is what Allah Ta'ala is deserving of upon his servant. What does he deserve from his servants? By way of ibadah and ta'ah, by way of worship and by way of obedience. When it mentions, so when it mentions يعني, the right of Allah, then we no doubt we're referring to the right of Allah, what Allah Ta'ala deserves. And Allah's right and what is upon the servant. Naam. Of course, this is not the case when we're referring to what the servant has. And at this right, we do not say that it's a right that the servant say, it can be said that the servant is deserving of. And that Allah is obliged to give that right to the servant. Naam. The opposite is true. The servant is obliged to, to establish that right for Allah Ta'ala. However, when, it's, when we say the haqqul ibad, the right of the ibad, then this is what he has been given and what he's been blessed with by way of the father of Allah. So Allah Ta'ala has given him and blessed him with that particular right. And so Allah Ta'ala has placed that right for them as an action of tafaddal wa ihsan. Tafaddal wa ihsan. So it means of bestowing upon them virtue and general good mannerisms towards them as in, as in sam. Amongst the muwahideen. Those that are mukhlisin. And it cannot be said that it's a haqqul wajib. It's obligatory upon Allah. Which is, the, which is the claim, the false claim of the Mu'tazila. That Allah Ta'ala is an obligation upon Allah. Or rather Allah Ta'ala has bestowed this upon the servants. Thereafter, we have the wording where it mentions, nas. Shall I not give the people glad tidings? Yani, yusirhum. You shall not inform them, I inform them of that which will Make them happy. Bring about happiness for them. Essentially what is referred to here. There it mentions, يَتَّقِلُوا يَعْنِ يَعْتَمِدُوا يَتَّقِلُوا يَعْتَمِدُوا Referring to the fact that they may become reliant upon it. So the Messenger of Allah, that's for the general meaning of this hadith. The Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he explained and clarified in this hadith, the reason why Allah Ta'ala has created the creation itself. And no doubt that reason is to sing like Allah Ta'ala alone in worship. And sincerely direct the worship towards Him. For indeed this is a great right. And it's not for anyone except for Allah. Al-Khaliq Al-Azim Al-Mun'im Al-Mutafaddil This is the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. 
Likewise, the message of Allah وسلم, was clarified and explained. What the servant will receive from Allah Sa'ala by way of jaza, by way of recompense. If they establish that wajib, I establish the wajib of Tawheed and worship of Allah Ta'ala alone. That Allah Ta'ala will save them from the punishment of the hellfire and enter them into Jannah. And this is an affair that no doubt will bring happiness to the believer. That the believer hears of what, what can be done to enter Jannah, what can be done to be saved from the hellfire. And so due to that, this is why Mu'adh al-Majabah sought permission from the Messenger of Allah sallam, by way of statement, sought permission to give these glad times to the people. وَلَكِنَ الرَّسُولُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ نَهَا مُعَادًا عَنْ ذَلِكَ لِمَسْلَحَنْتِ الْأُمَّةِ وَحُبًّا مِنْهُ And so, the Messenger of Allah, however, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he prohibited Mu'ad from doing that, from giving his glad tidings, for the benefit of the Ummah and his love of them. And that they found within his, so that they may strive in their actions and strive in getting get closer to Allah and compete in order to attain that reward. And they compete in order to attain the higher levels with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the truth opposite is true. If the person would become reliant upon this wa'ad, this promise from Allah Ta'ala, then you will find that many good opportunities would pass them by. Many opportunities to attain good would pass them by. What we benefit from this hadith is that this hadith, first and foremost, indicates the hikmah of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in the mannerisms of his teaching due to the fact that he began with a question. Naam, he began asking a question. Uh, what is the right of, the, of Allah upon his servant? So there's a question. Opening of the question now allows for the person to ponder upon the realities found there within. And so it's a, it's a, it's a very good way of teaching, posing a question. And the reality is that when someone poses you a question, if you answer correctly or incorrectly, you it's going to help you remember. If you answer correctly, you're going to remember the answer correctly, inshallah. If you answer incorrectly, then you're going to remember that the initial answer was incorrect and then you got corrected. So all this aids of a person's understanding and their retaining of knowledge. Allah Ta'ala knows best. The second, now the second benefit from this hadith that we have the tawadu. The Nabi had humility. 
I had good mannerisms. To the fact that he was traveling on the Himar, traveling upon uh, the, the donkey with his companion. The third benefit is The third benefit is that this hadith outlines the greatest of the rights. The greatest of the rights that Allah Ta'ala has with his servants. The greatest of the rights. No doubt, doubt, that is the tawheed of Allah, seeing that Allah Ta'ala alone in worship. The fourth benefit is that Allah Ta'ala bestowed virtue upon his servants. Bestowed virtue upon his servants. With the greatest of rewards. For the one that bestows that, one that fulfills that right. I want that worship for Allah Ta'ala alone. Allah Ta'ala has left for them the greatest reward, which is Jannah. And the great salvation from the fire. Fifth benefit is istihbab basharat al Muslim. The fifth benefit is that it's recommended to give glad tidings to the Muslim with that which brings him happiness. And then the fifth, the sixth benefit, final benefit mentioned for this narration was the fear of the reliance upon the vast nature of the mercy of Allah. The person will become reliant upon the mercy of Allah. For indeed, this reliance, yadur kathira min al-juhal. This reliance essentially harms many of those that are ignorant. Why? Because they allow, as was mentioned previously, because of that reliance and because they just merely rely upon the mercy of Allah, they allow for the uh, opportunity of many righteous actions to pass them by. Now, Allah Ta'ala knows best. We'll conclude with that. Insha'Allah Ta'ala naktafi. We have the qadr. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khaira. Wa sallallahu wa barak. Ala nabiyyina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم